Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan, bringing you intriguing details about the lives of people here in Yorkshire. So, come on in and join us. Hello, Susan here, Inside Yorkshire. Now, today we're talking about the community first responders. Because we live in such a rural community in the Dales, it can be very timely uh, to have someone on hand who can respond quickly. The ambulance stations who actually service this area, Richmond and Bainbridge, it can take them 20 minutes to respond to an emergency 999 call. First responders can be quickly scrambled to support you and wait while you're waiting for the ambulance to arrive. It can be a difference between life and death in some situations. Now, the responders are first aid trained and they turn out at all times of the day and night. In the remote locations, it's hugely helpful to have someone who knows the area and can get there quickly. So today we're talking to Josie Kime, who is the coordinator for the Tudales Community First Responder Team. Hello, Josie. Good morning. Thank you very much for coming to talk to us. Um, I'm really wanting to get a bit of background about the first responders here in this area and and, um, get some idea from you as to how it all operates and who you have with you at present. Now, the two the two Dales, which are, which are they? Swaledale, Arkengarthdale. Swaledale and Arkengarthdale, okay. And how many how many responders do you have at present? We have eleven active. Eleven responders. active, okay. And when do you? What are the are the hours that you have to cover then? Those eleven people. Um, it, it's entirely up to them. We we do as little or as much as we want. It's an individual thing. Um, each of the responders uh, they may be retired but some of them have uh, work they you know they work um, they've got family commitments so it's it's what you can fit in into your life and it's um, it can be anything four hours 20 hours in a week it, it most people don't do anything like 20 <laughs> no. but um, yes it's it's entirely up to yourself the commitment for the actual responder team is Evenings and weekends, have I got that right? Is it still like that no, or daytime? No, no. Um, any, well no. Any time. Um, most people are on call during the day um, and it can be weekdays. Um, some do overnights. Um, we try and cover weekends as much as we can. Okay. It's changed a bit since I was involved. Yeah. It used to just be nighttime, I think, after six. And oh, and all the weekend, we um, so that must be a huge challenge from you, your point of view, trying to get enough cover. Well, we we can't we we would need if we were to have twenty four hour cover, we would need many more responders, mm. and um, so we we do our best. And that, and I think uh, when I look at previous years, um, we've managed uh, around two thousand hours in a year, which mm. isn't bad for a small community. No, not at all. Now, if I can just actually um, just fill in some of the the information for listeners, really, the importance of first responders here is that we're a very rural communities and getting an ambulance, it's quite a distance that they have to come to actually reach us. So first responding is hugely important to actually get to someone having problems 
early on. Very much. Yeah. Because it can be the difference between life and death, can't it? It is, it yeah. is very important. It's yeah. a, an important job. So now things have changed a little as well in that we have defibrillators all over the place. How, how many do we have in this area? Um, I, I'm, I think it's about a dozen. In, I'm not too certain, but roughly, yes. And what is the criteria for having them? Is it are we looking at trying to get one per village, or uh, it's entirely area? up to each community? Each each parish council, as a rule, um, is the one who will because um, they're, they're not you know they they're not cheap, initially are they? no initially the ambulance service did provide them, and then as they became popular, it was no longer an option. They obviously maintained them, but um, nowadays people have them installed and I think the cost is roughly about 1200 to 1500 pounds to have for the installation and then there's the ongoing maintenance cost because there's if it is used the defibrillation pads are about 50 pounds a pair right so they need to be changed and they have to it, be changed each yeah, time they're yeah. used don't so they? It, the, the community needs to be aware that they are going to have to have costs and each one each um, is a rule. It's a parish council, and they're they're able to do this. So it, not was... not out of parish council funds, but from fundraising, I would think. Ah, from actual yeah. fundraising yeah. rather yeah. than council taxpayers. But True. really, I'd have thought from a council taxpayer's point of view, it's a it's a very worthwhile input, it is. isn't it? It is. Yes, yeah. yeah, might be better than worrying about the state of the roads or things <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay, so can you just tell me then what got you involved in it? What is your background? Right. Um, well, I, I retired uh, a couple of years ago, and um, obviously I, I've been an active person working all my life, and I wanted to continue being active. Um, I think possibly if I just had a chosen another career to the one I did I would have gone into nursing so I've, I've always had an interest in uh, caring and um, you know just first aid in general um, and I saw that in the Reese Gazette you know occasionally you'd see the, the, an advert at that time it was Reese Community First Responders and I thought mm, yes I, I think I might do that when I retire so um, I rang and uh, I went along to one of their training sessions and after that, um, that was just to sort of see what they did. And I thought, yes, I, I can do this. So I did the training course. And um, after that, it's uh, mm. you're, you're off. You're off. Yeah. <laughs> did you expect to be the coordinator? No. You were no just I've a... only been coordinator since February. Ah, okay. So um, early days. Yeah, yes, then. early days. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, from a community point of view, <clears throat> yours, you are literally when the uh, someone dials 999 from home or from mobile mobile reception being a problem in this area you are you receive a call and then you respond yes uh, we um, we have a rotor and uh, each month we we you know we we organize when we can be on there and um, the we, when we when we go on duty we have a phone and you log on to the um, the area dispatch team, which is based in Wakefield. <laughs> and um, so if there is a 99 call in our area, which is specific to what we do, because we mm -hmm. don't attend road accidents, very unusual it would be, um, we get a call. Mm. And we're given instructions as to where to go. 
and we're off as fast as we can. And it's helpful then to have a local person doing this because I'm sure Wakefield <laughs> are not going to give you directions of how to get to they a may remote have, Dale's yeah, yeah. farm. Although they, they may have been given a little bit of information from the person who made the call, uh, but we do have um, maps of each village and I say that almost each village. We've just got one or two more in the um, sort of further up the Dale, Hurst and Washville to do. But uh, So that gives the location of every house because we don't have numbers here. We have house names. And not even, and not even street names, no, do we? No. Which is a big problem. Uh, so you, you, um, you have a postcode and a house name and if it's the middle of the night, you could suddenly find yourself, well... Where? Up a track, <laughs> up a track, couldn't you yeah, sometimes? It could yes. be. It, it's, um, so we, we need to have as much information as we can get on, on where. Yes, and I should think from the ambulance um, station's point of view as well, if you've got a first responder already there, yes, they know it's, where they it's helpful, isn't it? Yeah. Because sometimes I know I've seen ambulances coming here mm. trying to find a house yes. and they're flagging people down yes. trying to actually yes. find out where they're going it can be quite challenging yeah. Yeah. it's one of the first things we do we try and ask a relative who's there to stand outside and, and point them in the yes. right direction yes yeah. it's good now from the the point of view of the defibrillators that we're seeing i just wonder from a person's point of view not a first responder who sees a defibrillator on a wall and there is somebody collapses near them and they have to use it. We have the problem here that they may not be able to dial 999 because of our mobile reception. Somebody out and about would have to just call, would have to actually access another way. And you were saying to me that the telephone, there's a telephone attached to the defibrillator on the wall. Yes. Which then they can ring emergency yes. services through that. Yes. And they'll be given instructions. They're, they're given a code to get the defibrillator out um, and instructions. Um, I mean, the defibrillator, when, as soon as you open it up, gives you instructions. But, the, you know, for further help, there's somebody there on the line. They would have to stay where the phone was, though, wouldn't they? Um, well, this In is it. In order to maintain uh, <laughs> that. That's, that's the problem. Yes, yeah. I mean, mm. the defibrillator is... I mean, each defibrillator in, in has a... I think when they're installed, uh, one or two local people close by are given instructions and uh, they're not first responders, but they, they know how to use the defibrillator yes. and, and probably do CPR. Yes, I think that's, that's mm. well, that is hugely beneficial, obviously. Yeah. Now, I just wondered how many, um, you were saying, I think you told me you've got 11 mm -hmm. in the area 11 now? active. 11 yeah. active at present. Now, are they single individuals or pa uh, pairs or what do you have? And age ranges, just curious, that's all. Um, I would say most of them are. I don't mean old. single. I don't mean single yeah, as, no, in their, don't as in their their um, their yeah. status. But do they yeah. go out singly or in pairs? I think the majority are in the sort of semi-retired bracket, but that doesn't mean everybody is. Um, there's some younger ones, and there are um, husband and wife teams, so mm. that uh, you know the um, it, one will drive and one will. Or, you mm. know, be the first responder on the team. It, it's the the whole thing is very 
be an easy we we mm. don't it's quite organic the way it's yeah, the way yes. it actually it's progresses isn't works. it yeah yes because yes. everybody's circumstances are different sure yeah. now you were telling me a, a story about well not a story uh, a, a true um a, a true tale yeah. a true incident that happened to one of the first responders not in this area mm. Um, could you just expand on that, Josie? Yeah, it, it was within the uh, Yorkshire Ambulance Service area, and the lady was the first responder. She was on call. She was sat at home, probably waiting for a call, and she had a cardiac arrest. And must have been, from my memory of this story, um, she was unresponsive, she wasn't breathing, and her husband was with her, and obviously the equipment was there. So he was able to, he must have picked up enough knowledge from her being a first responder. He was able to um, check and make sure that, um, you know, he could hear, obviously, the, the defibrillator, once you open it, it gives you the instructions. So he was able to follow instructions and um, got, got her back into a shockable rhythm mm. and uh, brought her back to life, basically, with it, <laughs> which just shows how... How important this equipment is, because she, I believe, is now back as a first responder. And how, and, how and she, you know, she it saved her life. How amazing is that, though? She it was there. She was there, ready to respond yeah. to someone else's yeah. need. And, and it, in fact, yeah. the equipment and the knowledge that her husband had picked up along the way, yeah. due to her volunteering, had actually saved her life. Yeah. That is an amazing tale. That one. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Now, we were talking a little earlier before we started about the fact that if a young person wanted to get involved, mm -hmm. it would look extremely good on, on a CV yeah. for a university application. They're not allowed. What sort of age would they be allowed to, to actually start doing it? I have a feeling it's 18. I, I can't be certain on that, but mm. they have to have a... A clean driving license. Well, if they've just passed the test, if they've just passed the test, I don't know I how think... many years' experience they need to have in driving. But I'm presuming um, eighteen is is yeah. It's probably we... the minimum age to yeah. apply. But I I understand, and I might have this wrong. Anyone can correct me on this. That it's two years yeah. driving experience, well, be, which right. would then I... take you to nineteen. Yeah. But that doesn't preclude you at no. the age of eighteen no. from actually getting involved and having someone else drive you. No. No. So that would be perfectly possible, and in the first instance, quite a good way to start, I would think. Mm -hmm. And if you're applying for either a job or it would look a, a course, it would look very good. It would look very good on your yeah. CV. And you have extra skills and knowledge mm. that other people may not have. It's and let's face it, it's a life skill, isn't it? it the is. first aid side yeah. of things. It certainly is. You could be helping your own family. You know, you just mm. don't know what's going to happen in the future. No. <clears throat> now, um, yes, I, I was just uh, thinking about that. The training, I know, used to be uh, from someone actually starting as a first responder. How long does it take before they are active? Um, it can be, uh, the, the training takes place, uh, with, I would think, um, once you've completed your training, you're, you're ready to go. Um, from memory, um, it's two weekends and a couple of evenings, I think, mm. uh, pretty full on. And yet you, you've got all this information in your head, but we, we have manuals and things you, we, we can read, you know, it's. Mm. Um, it, as a team, we are planning, and we do have um, during the year for training sessions where um, 
we, with our Kunji trainer, we go through various uh, training things. And then there's two six monthly, yeah, six monthly self-assessments. Uh, it's not self-assessments during the, you know, make sure we're, we're keeping our skills up to date. Yes. Um, but it's, mm. we, we each, you know, we, we, um, we, we are thinking as a team of possibly having some refresher courses in between just so that we, we can just top up our skills. And just, well, I think it's very easy to do a course mm. for, I mean, I know some of my first aid training, you do a course, you have the certificate, it's yeah. valid for two years, <laughs> but how much of it do you use yeah. in that two-year period and how rusty do you get? Yeah. So, so you need to be continually. It's very good yeah. that you are continually, yeah. continually doing that and keeping up to date with it. Yeah. Also, the defibrillator talks you through a lot of things, which it does, if you're that's, in, that's yeah. not the only thing yeah. that, that you do when you're responding, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you don't need to use the defibrillator each time you respond no, no. to a call-out. No, I mean, I've no. had 12 call-outs over three years and I haven't yet had to use a defibrillator. No. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> good news for the people that you were responding yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. Okay, so if anybody wanted to become involved then, how would they contact you? Um, they could contact me on our, my phone number or um, our trainer, Patrick Murphy. Um, they can email him or telephone him and I've got uh, he's got the details here. here, have you? Is there a is there um a website or anything they can go on to for the more information? There is the Yorkshire Ambulance Service do have a first responders website, but that would be your first point of contact. Right. Can I read can I read this yes, out? You're okay with that. Yes, yeah. Okay, so if anyone listening is interested in getting involved in this, the person to get in touch with is in the first instance Patrick Murphy, who is the what does y- Yorkshire Ambulance Service, right, okay, YAS, Community First Responder Trainer, Patrick Murphy. Now, he can be reached by telephone on 07824 or he can be emailed patrick.murphy7 at nhs.net. Now, I will put these um, this information up on the uh, show notes from the episode. Or you're not, you're okay yeah, with sharing your can- number? Quite happy to contact me direct, yeah. So you could contact Josie, who we've just been talking to now, Josie Keim, and your number, Josie? 01748884824. Right, thank you very much. So hopefully this will have um, inspired some of you to to get involved because you're always looking for new responders, aren't you? We certainly are, yes. Okay, well, thank you very much, Josie, for talking to us today. That's been great. Thank you. Okay, this is Susan from inside Yorkshire saying goodbye.